many familiar songs at Christmas time. It is uh, that last song. I don't know about you, but it is. It often sends shivers down my spine just hearing those wondrous words. And I have a friend of mine who was an accomplished singer, and she would sing that song at Christmas time, and it would just put everybody in tears. I mean, it was just sung with such power, with such with such conviction of spirit knowing uh, there's a difference between someone singing a Christian song and a Christian singing a song about Christ. I don't know if you're a fan of Handel's Messiah, uh, but one year uh, I, I watched part of it on uh, PBS and was underwhelmed. And then we sang it at our church, and I was overwhelmed. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful thing. So for the last few weeks, we have been, on Wednesday nights, we've been uh, discussing Advent, uh, kind of presenting this. Uh, this is the first time, I think, in, in, in recent history, I would say, certainly in, in my time here. But I, I, got the, I got the impression that this is something that we haven't done as a church family much. And the request was made, can we do this this year? And I said, sure. This is something familiar to me, bringing, uh, having grown up uh, with the uh, family practices that I had and the church practices I had. Advent's not a foreign thing to me, either is Lent and those type of things, which are built into an historic Christian calendar that allowed um, the church to convey certain truths to, uh, to those um, who wanted to know more about Christ. And, and so I'm not going to go into a big... Uh, explanation of what Advent is, I'm actually going to present you an unashamedly uh, promotion for Wednesday night Bible study. All right. Um, I think if I ask for a raise of hands uh, of how many are not present on Wednesday night, either in the room or virtually, uh, there might be an overwhelming response. And I don't want that tonight. Um, But I'm going to basically recap a little bit of the last three weeks of Wednesday nights. Uh, And I want to encourage you, come out to our Wednesday night Bible studies. Uh, This particular series was on Advent. Uh, Starting in the new year, there is going to be a series on abortion. Very serious topic, one certainly that we ought to be well voiced in and we are talking about. It's not something I've put together. I'm thrilled to be able to uh, participate by sitting and listening and learning with you all. But I encourage you, come out and be edified, be encouraged uh, be challenged uh, during the middle of the week. Uh, some of the Wednesday night services I've had in my life have been the most, uh, uh, the ones with the greatest turning points uh, in my life. But as we talk about Advent, uh, in the first session, Pastor Joe uh, presented to us uh, this uh, uh, observation. We celebrate Advent to remind us in the present Christmas season that Christ has come and Christ is coming. So Advent is not something that's just uh, uh, somehow a part of a, a, a high church calendar that has no meaning. No, historically, Advent has been that time to remind us and remind people throughout history at the Christmas season that Christ has come. We celebrate that. His birth is tomorrow. And by the way, my wife leaned over to me and said, make sure you wish everybody Merry Christmas. And I said, I thought that was tomorrow. So Merry Christmas, if I don't say it, but I'll say it tomorrow morning for sure. Uh, it kind of goes with he has risen, he has risen indeed was, you know, that's, that's, that's like Easter. So at every Christmas season, we, we celebrate the birth of Christ. But how often do we bring the focus onto his, uh, not only his first advent, his first coming, but his second advent, his second coming as well. So in that first particular uh, uh, lesson that, that Pastor Joe presented, he said Christ's first coming teaches us to be like Christ while we wait for his second coming. So this idea of being like Christ, 
I, isn't that what a Christian's called to be? To be Christ-like in all our actions and attitudes and words and those things. So, so he, he brought us to uh, Titus 2, 11 through 14. I encourage you, go back and watch it. It's on YouTube, all right? Uh, the second week he had, Pastor Dave came up and, and he taught. He said, Christ's first coming gives us confidence to hope in Christ while we wait for his second coming. So this idea of uh, giving us confidence to hope in Christ, I hope that your hope is in Christ tonight. Because when you consider the world that we live in and with the trials and sufferings that go on and with the inconveniences of life, whatever it might be, there are times in life where you have to know that there is something that you can hope in that has stability, that can get you through the difficult times you're in. And so Dave brought us to, to 1 John uh, 1, 1 through 4, and, and just talked about the reality that Christ is a real person. Yes, an eternal person, but he's real. He's genuine. He, he, he walked the earth. He ascended into heaven. He's coming again, but he promises to be with the church always. And that mean, means we're never walking alone. Uh, last week, we actually had uh, Mandy Smith's dad, uh, Bill Rillo came, and uh, he was uh, filling in for, for uh, Jamie, who was under the weather uh, that particular night. He was there, just uh, a bit tired from all his travels and, and some illness. But Bill challenged us with Christ's first coming, which was foretold in the Old Testament, gives us the grace necessary to wait for his second coming. Now, he didn't have this slide. The other two were from the slides of the other pastors, but Bill didn't have slides. So I, I listened, and I listened intently, and I do think this is what he was trying to convey. We're, we're obviously in the context of, of the first coming, the first advent, and the second coming, the second advent, right? That's, that's what we're talking about. And he's saying there was this reality that in the Old Testament, this was foretold. But he brought us actually to the first, first Peter 1 text, and in that text, he really challenged us as, as Paul, excuse me, as Peter was challenging the people he was writing to, to, to understand this promised Old Testament Messiah. Uh, we have grace as a result of him coming into this world. We have grace at our disposal. We have a fuller understanding of the gospel. One of his main points, that Bill's points, was the fact that the Old Testament prophets, as, as listed in 1 Peter 1, they didn't always know what they were prophesying about. They didn't have the full understanding of the gospel. They didn't have the fullness that we possess. And certainly that's an aspect of God's grace to us that the prophets did not have. But we have this grace, and this is a necessary grace for us to wait once again for his second coming. We are in a posture of waiting as we sit here tonight, not just for Christmas morning, not just for whatever is happening right after this time, but we're in a posture of waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. So my, my uh, hope tonight is to challenge you with this. Christ's first coming prepares us to wait with expectancy for his second coming. I hope that I can just challenge you tonight in some way to have you consider uh, this expectancy that we ought to have as believers. Bill made it very clear. It's not the same expectancy uh, that was true of Old Testament believers. It wasn't the same thing because we have a fuller understanding. But I want to draw you to Luke 2. But in my, in my effort to do this, to kind of shake things up just, just a little bit and have you look at a familiar text in a different way, I want to talk about on the eve of the Advent. On the eve of Christ's first coming, what was going on in the world? 
We are at the eve of the celebration of the Advent, Christmas Eve. This is we coming here tonight. So I'm asking you to identify in your own minds what is going on in your life. And then somehow you make the connection between our world and this world. Because on the eve of the Advent, back at the very first coming, national leaders were making decisions. That's what we see in Luke 2.1. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. National leaders make decisions. That's what national leaders do. They make decisions, and, and those decisions aren't kept in, a, uh, in just behind the locked doors and the closed-door meetings. Uh, once the decision is made, it's, it's uh, disseminated, right? It's, it's put out there, and, it, and people are told, do what we're commanding you to do. So on the eve of the Advent... Government officials were conducting important business. That's what verse 2 tells us. This census first took place while Quirinius, uh, Quirinius, I always struggle with that name. It's kind of like the word statistics and other words that I can't even pronounce that clearly. All right. But Quirinius uh, was governing. This is his job. Governors do what governors are called to do, but they don't just make decisions. They, they act upon the decisions of others, and certainly that's what was going on uh, in, in that setting there. So on the eve of the Advent, you have, govern, you have national leaders, you have uh, government officials, but you also have people, just regular people like you and like me, and they were traveling. And maybe some of you traveled to be here tonight. Maybe you have been planes, trains, and automobiles to get here uh, for this particular night, or you know, as soon as I'm where you say amen, you're out of here and you're going somewhere else. But I'll say this people were traveling back then, and there were a lot of people traveling when a government official gets a decree and says, You must do this. There were a lot of people traveling, and, and we, it says, So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. This was, a, this was an edict of the Roman uh, emperor. This wasn't optional. Go. On the eve of the Advent, young people were acting responsibly. Now, I'm not trying to have fun at this. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, listen, there were some young people in this story of the first Advent, weren't there? We see that Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Pretty significant aspects to the Christmas story present here. We have a, a man and a woman who are betrothed, not married. They have they're not married. Uh, they, they have not uh, uh, experienced the, the, uh, the beautiful aspects of marriage, and, but she was already with child. And so that's very significant. But notice, they were traveling just like everybody else. You know, Mary was more than likely like a young teenager, like I think 14 is what's in my head. Joseph was more than likely older than her, but I would, I would say he's not significantly older as in he's probably maybe in a, maybe late teens, early 20s, maybe. I, mean, I haven't studied that out, all out. I don't think anybody knows for sure. Uh, but more than likely with the, with the age and what was going on, these were young people, and they were just trying to do right. Nothing exceptional about doing right. You're supposed to do right, and they were doing right. So on the eve of the Advent, you have parents who are preparing for the birth of their child. 
I almost uh, changed this to, to uh, there's a word coming up later, and I'll, I'll get there, but I was going to use the word mundane, and I thought, well, I can't use the word mundane. Having a child is not mundane, all right? It, it's, it, um, uh, it'll, roll, it'll mess you up in so many ways, all right? But certainly for mom, that's a pretty significant thing going on here, right? So parents were preparing. This is what we see in verse 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Now, granted, this is the eve of the advent. So I'm saying all the way up until the birth, I'm, I'm considering that the eve, all right? Everything up until that, that actual birth event, I'm just saying that this was normal. This is, there's nothing exceptional about this in the sense of young people preparing, preparing traveling, young people doing right, uh, uh, young people preparing to, to have a baby. There are people in this room that are soon to have a baby, uh, and some that would like to wait a little bit longer, all right? So, but this is all part of life. And so uh, on the eve of the Advent, just one more, but I couldn't leave these guys out. On the eve of the Advent, shepherds were watching their flocks. This is what we see in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I know that when the angels appeared to them, which is the next verse, Jesus has already been born. So I'm asking for a little understanding and saying, I think shepherds are out every night watching their flocks. Okay, so uh, I just wanted to bring these guys into the picture to just say there are people in government, people, regular people, young people, older people, shepherd people, just doing what they do. As we gather here tonight, and we are people that just do what we do. Many of you will celebrate, again, traditions. Great, wonderful. But think about that first Advent, all the way that was going on. Who knew that the normalcy of the Eve was the end of normalcy? Who knew that on that particular night, the birth of a particular child in a particular place by a particular young lady who was favored by the Lord, right? Who, who would know? Everyone, when he was, when Jesus was born, the world was going on like nothing had changed. But everything had changed because everything changed when Jesus was born. I think to myself, and I've been thinking a lot about this, and, and uh, I'll share it tonight, maybe rather than the morning, but it is uh, a reality even on the way over here. All kinds of Christmas decorations up. And in this particular one that caught my attention tonight is I went, oh, look, a manger scene. I'm driving. All right. Oh, look, a manger scene and Santa. And Christine goes, no manger scene. It just looked like a manger scene, but it was actually like two dogs in a barn. Right. I was like, if it's yours, hey, more I'd say more power to you, but I think we have to do some education about Christmas time. All right? But I thought to myself, you know, the world is just going about its business like the world does. They don't know. And you think, how is that possible? They don't know. They're just going about their normalcy as normal can be. And, uh, and they have failed to come to their understanding that everything changed when Jesus was born. Our calendar, whether you call it uh, B.C., A.D., Common Era, Before Common Era, whatever you might want to be, there's there's a defining moment on the calendar, and that's the birth of Christ. 
the only reason people want to change it from A.D. and B.C. is because they want to keep you away from the understanding of Christ. So that's, I mean, that's, that's uh, well, maybe that's not the only reason, but that's the reason that's important to me. So as we talk about this, this uh, idea, this normalcy, we are living normal, are we not? So the king had entered his kingdom. That's what changed. That's what changed. The, the hinge of history is anchored in the birth of Jesus Christ. It, it is the king entered his kingdom. The creator entered his creation. And we'll look more at this tomorrow. But I'm just saying everything changes, but that's not our focus for the night. That'll be for tomorrow to, to consider some aspects of that. We're focusing on this idea that Christ's first coming prepares us to wait with expectancy for his second coming. And so what I wanted to do is uh, just call out this normalcy in our lives, the normalcy of our days, which honestly, it can feel like Groundhog Day. It can feel like whatever, whatever metaphor or analogy you want to use, but the, the normalcy of our days should remind us that we have a responsibility to be expectantly watchful for our Lord's second advent. I hope that fulfills the intent of this study on Advent, to, to draw our attention from the first to the second in the sense of drawing us to Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44. Just walk with me through, uh, through this uh, text. We'll just make a few comments. In the text, it says, But at that day and hour, no one knows. We're talking about, you know, when, it, when is all this... When is all this amazing end-time stuff going to take place? Uh, Jesus says, but on that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so and here we're introduced to this idea of the days of Noah. What were the days of Noah? They were days of judgment. They were days of judgment. Notice what it says here. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. This is Jesus speaking, and he's instructing, and he's telling people what is going to be taking place. And, his, and then we see that in this, this day, this judgment day, when the flood came, and, and we know the days of Noah, he says, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's a day of judgment for those who do not know Christ. But notice what's going on. It says, for as in those days before the flood, what? They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. They were doing normal. They were just doing, going about their, their thing as they've always done. It says, and they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. He's saying in light of this, this parallel between the day of Noah and this coming of the Son of Man, they did not know that judgment was coming until it was upon them. They were just going about their normal activity until the water literally washed them away. That is what the coming of the Son of Man will be like. Ooh, Merry Christmas, right? Warm and fuzzy. Uh, stockings hung over the chimney, uh, the fireplace with care and all those things, right? No, I'm just saying this is a part of our focus as we consider Christmas. It's, oh, sorry. Then the two men, uh, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'll say that I think a lot of people get this wrong in their theology and in their understanding. We're in the context of judgment. The people who are taken are taken like the floods of Noah. 
This is not a text that I think is talking about the, the, uh, uh, the, the rapture. This is saying that two men, one's going to be taken in the flood, one will be left. Two women are grinding, one's going to be taken in judgment, the other will be left. Praise the Lord for the ones who are left in this context because they are the ones who survive like Noah. They are the ones that will not experience the judgment when the coming of the Son of Man takes place. And then I want to get into verse 42. Watch, therefore. This word watch is, is not, just, uh, not just be like this. It's pattering your life uh, in a sense where you are always vigilantly understanding what's going on. You're, you, are, you are living your life expectant. There's going to be a couple uh, stories that Jesus shares right after this, which talk about certain uh, uh, illustrations of what watchfulness means. And so we'll look at a little bit of this. But he's saying, listen, therefore, based upon this, this judgment that is coming, be watchful ones, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. We are talking about the second advent. We do not know when this is going to take place, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. It's the idea of, you know, if you are alert and paying attention and are doing those things you're supposed to be doing, the the thief's not going to come get you. All right? At one level. Now, part of what what this, uh, this is getting is the the uh, suddenness that, of what's taking place here. But he's saying, listen, if the master of the house had known, then obviously he would have been prepared for when the thief came. And we know that Jesus says he'll come like a thief in the night. It's the idea of we need to be ready, and we need to help others be ready. He said he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. It says, therefore, you also be ready. And this is just where I want to draw our attention just for the last couple minutes. Therefore, based upon what we have just heard and seen in Matthew 24, we are called to be ready. I mean, certainly Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking about kingdom living. Remember, the king is in this kingdom. The king is giving instructions, and the king expects the instructions to be followed out by everyone. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. There's one thing we know. Uh, about the, the coming of Jesus Christ. We're not going to know that it's coming, and we're not going to be expecting it. And uh, however, however that plays out, and there's so much more about this particular text we could get into, but I wanted to just say our expectation is not judgment. As we sit here tonight, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, of which I'm not assuming all of you are, I can't assume that. Honestly, the assumption of that is that it goes completely contrary to my job description. Okay. It also goes completely contrary to your expectation of being a child of God and being a, being a, uh, a Christian, a Christ-like one. Our expe- uh, expectation is not judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the, some of the greatest news of this gospel that we believe in, that Jesus died to pay our sin debt, so therefore, because sin requires judgment, right? Sin requires it, and Jesus took it upon himself on the cross and paid it all. And if you've never come to that realization, that that's the Jesus that we're we're asking you to worship with us, is that, that there's no expectation for judgment for a genuine Christian who has come to an understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done. There's no, ex, there's no uh, expectation of judgment, but others will be judged, 
The urgency of the gospel going forth into our world has not ceased. And it certainly does not become a minor thing when we talk about Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. It should be highlighted even more so that there is an urgency about getting the gospel out into the world so that others are not washed away in the flood waters of judgment that will be uh, significantly poured out when Jesus returns, not as child in a manger, but as conquering king, as judge. So what is the job of a watchman on the wall? That's the, that's the nuance of that word, watch therefore, it's the idea of someone being alert, being wise, to, and, and, and what is their job as they stand? I used to be in the military, you know that, but you know the one story that always gets me in trouble and is always embarrassing is when I was an ROTC cadet, and I'm in my fighting position, which is about up to here, and I've got my rifle right here, and I've got my head right here. And I, I'm one of those guys that, that can do this, right? Just no, no, no. And so as I, I can, I should still visualize it now. I'm, I'm standing there, and I see feet, and they're getting closer. They're about eye level. They're getting closer, and I hear this voice, bang, you're dead. You know, inside I was like, can I go to sleep now? Um, I did not do my watchman duties. They snuck up on me, and, and in a real-life situation, I would have been dead. What is the job of a watchman on the wall? It is to warn others of the impending peril. We celebrate Advent to remind us in the present Christmas season that Christ has come and Christ is coming. That's what we've said. That's what was put out in week one of the Advent study. Let us celebrate with a joyful heart. I do wish you a Merry Christmas. I do wish for you all the joy that comes with being a child of God through your faith in Jesus Christ. But let's celebrate not only with a joyful heart, but with a watchful eye looking for those who might be destined for judgment. And then when we see those people, may we, may we have a loving voice that would actually speak the words of life into them. Words that would say, your sins can be forgiven because of what Christ has done on your behalf. Words that would say that our, our king is coming. He's returning again. Won't you come to faith in, in him now rather than, than never? Uh, there is so much for us as, Christ, as Christ followers, Christ-like individuals, that we get to, to share with those that God brings into our midst. And some of that is happening even tonight or happening tomorrow morning where we are, we are engaged in festivities and joy with family, with friends, and some of them will not know the love of Christ. And you will have the pressure and the tension upon you. Do I say something or not? Say something. Tactfully, lovingly, biblically. Bring them to the Word of God. And then continue the conversation until they come to, to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what I invite you to do tonight, is come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We've been singing hymns about him. We have uh, looked at a text that talks about the, both the first advent and the second advent. And, and now I just want to encourage you as we, uh, I'm going to ask the, uh, the ushers or whoever's coming to start lighting candles, all right? 
uh, that we need to start doing that. If you didn't get a candle, by the way, yikes, I meant to say something before I started, all right? There's some in the back. If you scurry over there quickly, uh, you can get one. Um, but the lights are going to dim here in a minute. We're, gonna, we're going to start lighting these candles. But I'm asking you, in the ambiance of the room, with the dim lights and the candle and the beauty of, the, of the, both visually and audibly as we hear, let's not escape the moment that is being presented to you. Now is a time where we sing that you would sing in light of what you just heard. So sing. But if you need to come to faith in Christ, please understand he is God's son that was born in that manger. He was sinless then. He was sinless through his whole life, and he hung on that cross sinless. But the sins of the world were laid upon him on that cross to pay the sin debt for all people of all time. And if you will confess your sin to him and receive the free gift, you don't have to do anything to earn it. It's not based upon your good deeds or your bad deeds. It's based upon your faith and who Jesus is and what he's done. If you come to faith in him for, the, for your salvation, he will give you that salvation, and then there will be no condemnation for you. So let's sing praise now as we continue to celebrate Christmas.